this week on Habari Live. Interview with Carolyn Stanmi. CEO and President of Contemporary Medical Solutions. Saturday, 10.30 a.m. Tune in on all platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Don't miss this episode. We'll be all the way live. Habari Entertainment proudly presents Habari Live. Habari Live. From Phoenix, Arizona. And you're listening to the Habari Live Podcast. The show that brings you news, sports, and entertainment for people who love HabariEntertainment.com. Here are your hosts, Aisha, Jimmy, and Damon Dipline Ellison. Let's get it going. We are all the way live. Live. Good morning, good morning, good morning. We are thrilled to bring you another episode of Bari Live, your go-to podcast for the posts of Phoenix and beyond. Like always, we are all the way live from Paradise Valley. I'm Damon Dipline Ellison, my co-hosts, Aisha and Jimmy. Oh, what's up? What's up, y'all? But anyway, uh, <laughs> man. See, you do this like every week. What? And every don't... week, yeah. No, 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 no. There's some weeks you don't want to let us talk. So he just be like, boom. Whatever. Like, it just be random. You like, if you're my co host. Yeah. And then he'll pause, right? But we will be your guide through the exciting stories and everyday happenings in your vibrant community throughout the week. Let's get it going. I'm just made me hit the womp again. <clears throat> Today, we have a very special guest. Her name is Carolyn Stamey. She's the owner of Contemporary Medical Solutions, providing medical billing for Arizona and beyond. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. This is um, very, very happy you came in to talk to us about medical billing because uh, this is a very, very confusing topic. And some people want to know where their money goes when they're trying, when they're paying their bills and my my lady does it, so I don't. It's when she talks about it, I I just my eyes just blur over because I have no idea. It's so confusing and it's so convoluted and it's so many different codes and it's, it's the a, laws you really have to know. Man, dude, it's confusing. So Carolyn's gonna go over some of the things that she does and uh, tell us about uh, medical billing and and what she provides for the uh, Phoenix area. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got going into uh, in medical billing and how did you start uh, Contemporary Medical Solutions? Well, I actually got into this by accident. Mm. Initially, I was going to school to be a music major in college when I developed carpal tunnel and was suddenly unable to continue down that path wow. and had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, my mom taught music at the time, so mm -hmm. she happened to have a student that was an office manager in a practice and they needed somebody. Wow. So I started there and kind of discovered that I really loved it. The wow. woman that was doing the billing just handed the whole thing off to me. Um, <laughs> couldn't answer it how it is. Right? <laughs> she didn't know. It. She couldn't answer my questions. Um, and I sort of just had to dig in and start to figure it out. Wow. Um, so I really started now. It's a, been about 30 years that I've been doing this. 30 one years. One form or another. Wow. That is amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. 
you, you're not yeah, even. She, she got like 20 years. Right, on I'm me. about to say, you got about, <laughs> you got about 10 years in the game. You got a little while to go. Yeah, so I, I just continued on in that career path and eventually was leading some very, very large revenue cycle departments wow. for Lancaster General Health, for Hartford Healthcare in mm -hmm. Connecticut. Um, in, you know, I kept seeing us acquiring these practices that didn't want to be bought. Mm -hmm. They didn't want to be part of us, yeah. um, but they had really bad medical billing services and were not making the money that they needed to. Mm -hmm. um, so after years of doing this, I finally decided my heart and my passion is really back where I started with the independent physicians and helping to keep them successful. Yeah. Um, it's amazing, too, because there's such a huge part in patient satisfaction mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for billing, yeah. too. I mean, you know when you receive that statement, you know when you receive information from your insurance company. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's complex. Very, very complex. Um, we're happy that you guys are here to make it um, happen because without you, we... We wouldn't even we wouldn't have any uh, medical code. We wouldn't even know how to pay our bills because everybody would be confused because I couldn't go online and just straight pay it by the codes and knowing who goes to what and what who pays who. It's it's a lot of confusing. So tell us a little bit how that goes, like how. The billing, who pays for what, how this decided which person is going to pay for this and how much their insurance is going to cover in this situation. Man, that is a great question. You know, um, about probably 25% of, of U.S. is in that same category you are where they don't really understand even their healthcare benefits and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes the public, we're really reliant on the insurance company to process the claim correctly right. and the billing company or the provider's office to get that statement out to you and make sure that that's correct. Mm -hmm it does take physicians a lot longer to get paid than than most people. You right. know, you expect, you walk into the grocery store, you pay for your service, right? You're buying your food on your way out. But you walk into that doctor's office and they've got to figure out what is that right code to describe the service that the patient's having. Mm -hmm. um, if we can get that code correct, then the insurance company will process that. Right. That is normally a Medicare will pay very quickly, sometimes within two weeks. Mm -hmm. Most companies, though, it's 30 to 45 days. Mm -hmm. And you're waiting to get that payment back from the insurance right. company. Um, and then after that, it goes to the patient. Mm -hmm. So it's really the one thing that the patient and the doctor both have in common mm -hmm. is the contract with the insurance. You know, the patient, you've got one because that's your health care plan and your mm -hmm. coverage. The provider has one to say, this is what you're allowed to do. This is what you're going to get paid on. Right. Um, so it's really driven. How they pay is driven by both of those contracts. And it's really important to to make sure that folks are being accurate mm -hmm. because when you get that billing or you get that remittance back from the insurance company mm -hmm. into the doctor's office, there's specific codes on there telling you what you can bill the patient, what you can't bill the patient. So it's really important that they're doing it accurately and mm -hmm. correctly to make sure that you're not paying more than you need right. to. And that's that's a problem I see all the time. I, I hear her talking about it and those issues that people have where they felt that the insurance company should be paying this and they end up paying more than they really wanted. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough business and a lot of people, you know, lose a lot, man, in this game. You know, it's it's uh, really, really expensive. Health care is now, I'm it's kind of off quite tilter what what I kilter what I was usually talking about here. But what do you think about the expenses of health care and the future of it? Do you see us being able to figure out a way to make health care 
as on par with the rest of the world because we are when it comes to these we're one of the we are the most expensive healthcare provider in the world what do you think we could do to try to get these these prices to come down a little bit for the normal person can feel comfortable going to the hospital again I think that's a great question because so many people, you're absolutely right, they delay care. Mm -hmm. Even people that are making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year in the mm -hmm. salary, they're delaying care because they can't afford it simply. That's real. I think, I think Medicare and other insurance companies have started to try to make that shift mm -hmm. to say it's value-based care. Mm -hmm. So instead of paying what's called fee-for-service, which means you go in, you get an office visit, you get an injection. That insurance company pays for the office visit and for the injection. Right. And in many ways, they're starting to make that transition to value-based care to make sure that the outcomes are really supporting what the, the services are right. being provided. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's going to take us probably another 100 years at this rate to get here. Right. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. We may end up with a president one day that can just flip the switch and change things for us. Right. But making that transition to value-based care, people are really paying then for the outcomes. Mm -hmm. For example, um, there's a huge value-based um, contingent in Medicare for our dialysis patients. Okay. So there's a kidney disease program where um, you get paid differently for that. There's some services that uh, that Medicare does not pay for specifically because they're kind of bundled into that, that value-based component. Right. So at the end of every year, they take a look at the outcomes, go back and figure out, you know, is there something, do we pay the physician more now because mm -hmm. they've got better outcomes? Right. And that, that sounds to me like it's, it's more fair to 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 come into a, a a situation like that where you have where you feel as though the value that you got out of the care is what you're paying for, not just immediately paying for because of whatever health care have a uh, situation you're in. Oh, your it's kidneys. It automatically costs this. Oh, it's heart. It's all, it's just expensive, and it it makes people just want to hide and run and don't even you know talk about the situation. Then it's too late, and that's that's a, another problem. So, um, well, and, until we make the shift, we're mm -hmm. also really incentivizing physicians to provide more service right. because every time they provide a service, they get paid. Now, granted, most physicians are not like that because there's got to be medical necessity behind what it is that they're doing. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it still incentivizes physicians to send in claims fraudulently or unethically, essentially. Right. We're we're very lucky in this country. Most physicians are not doing that. That's yeah. not the norm. We but have seen it though. It we have. It happens. It. We know of one of ourselves ourselves a person that we know worked for one, and his office was raided and everything else because he was sending in fraudulent claims, uh, ripping off the 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 hospitals and the and the patients. Mm -hmm. So it's it's sad, it's man. Bad. It's it's tough. You know, everybody's trying to to feed their families, but you got people who don't want to play by the rules and um that's that's always tough so in an industry that's as complex as healthcare, how do you ensure accuracy and compliance in medical billing processes there is a lot out there to to try to make sure that you're doing correctly and follow all the guidelines. Mm -hmm. The biggest one is really just making sure that we're capturing the accurate codes of what that service the physician's providing so that when we get it accurate, the insurance com company can process it very quickly then mm -hmm. um, because they see the justification. It's kind of that combination of linking the procedure code with the diagnosis code to say, yes, this service was absolutely medically necessary mm -hmm. and justified. Right. Um, but those it also comes down to, to sorry to cut no. you off, but um, 
the transcriber, the medical transcriber who's going to transcribe the codes and just transcribe the notes from the doctor to, mm-hmm. to be able to say, this is the code that properly goes with this diagnosis code. So this is what oh, we're going to put right. on our, this is what you need to bill as the biller. Yep. So once that transcriber transcribes it, the mm-hmm. biller can then place that on the, on the claim properly right. to send out to the insurance company. Yeah. And, and there's a balance too between, um, is the physician themselves providing the code mm-hmm. versus an actual coder transcribing it and translating it into whatever that appropriate code is. Mm-hmm. You know, in many cases for things like primary care, it's simply the physician that's mm-hmm. doing and selecting it himself. Mm-hmm. Um, optimistically, what happens then is they've got at least an annual audit process in place where they're going back to check and make sure that right. they really are dropping the accurate codes mm-hmm. and that physician is comfortable with with doing that themselves too. But you're right. A lot of times surgeries, they're coded by by a medical coder. Mm-hmm. Um, and optimistically, it's somebody with experience. You know, there's a lot of people getting into this business now and because you can work remotely, right? right? right. So mm-hmm. there's a high need for, for people to do this. They mm-hmm. go to school, they come out, they graduate, and they're like, okay, great. I've got a coding certification. Woohoo. And I think we all know schools a lot of times, mm-hmm. they give us great theory. They give us great foundation. Mm-hmm but there's just a lack of practice and accuracy in definitely. that. Mm-hmm. So we're definitely seeing an increase in people going to school for medical billing and coding and coming out. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, she went to it a long, long time ago and it was, uh, like I said, it's paid off for her to uh, take that situation and take that road. And she's been able to, um, to, to build a career and, and, and grow on top of what mm-hmm. she went to uh, and got educated in. So that's always dope. Awesome. That's what you want to do. That's what you came here to do. So um, can you share any success stories or cases, uh, case studies where contemporary medical solutions significantly improve the billing efficiency or the revenue uh, generation for your providers? Great question. So I normally work with a, with a team of people. I've mm-hmm. got a contracting expert. I've also got somebody that's expert in front end. Okay. Um, so we were able to dramatically increase um, front end collections. Mm-hmm. This was a practice that really wasn't collecting up front. You know, when you walk into the door for your, your physician visit, the first thing that they will normally do is collect a copayment if you've got a copayment mm-hmm. with that insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, this practice was not doing that. Uh-huh. So we were able to start to provide some education, some training, and the numbers of what they were able to collect was just astounding. Because after collecting co-payments, we got them going back and looking at, okay, this patient has a deductible that mm. they're getting a statement for. Right. You know, many physicians say that they have to send more than one patient statement in mm-hmm. order to actually collect that money. So it only makes sense for when that patient's there in the office to get all the money that they owe at that time. Right. Um, so that's just one little story. Um but we've had other successes with accelerating cash to make sure the cash is coming in the door mm-hmm. faster. Yeah, Because some of that, it makes a difference between are you receiving a paper check or is it coming in electronically? Right. You get paid faster when it Definitely comes in electronically. Do. Definitely do. So you have to figure out ways to uh, give your customers uh, electronic options to pay things because that's definitely a quicker way to get the money. And the faster you get the money, the quicker you can pay the bills. Mm-hmm. And and that's number one thing with things about is efficiency. And that's that's pretty cool um, how you guys are able to do that. And and I mean, that's what you do is try to help these practices become more efficient and mm-hmm. become better at practices. And that's pretty cool also. Um, how hard or difficult is it to open a practice? Is it really tough to, to 
get into the healthcare business and and open your own brick and mortar and get that going for a physician. Mm-hmm. Um, that takes a lot of time and and energy in advance. I've talked to a lot of physicians, or um, I've talked to a couple nurse practitioners now too, that are interested in opening their own practice, mm-hmm. and it takes a long time to really get that going and be successful. Mm. You can assume, you know, you need time to contract. So they've got to be contracted with all the insurance companies first. And in order to do that, they've got to have a location. So now they're paying rent, Mm. probably building out a space. They've got no contracts. That's going to take, you know, it could take three to six months to complete that. Because in addition to that contracting process, there's also what's called credentialing, Mm -hmm. which is making sure that that physician is in good standing with that insurance Mm -hmm. company. So the insurance company basically wants to make sure that you're receiving good care. So they need to check out the physician and make sure that they're comfortable with the quality they're providing. And then that happens on a recurring basis too. Really? So a physician probably has about three to six months of expenses before they can even start to see a patient. That's crazy. And get paid for it. I mean, right. they could obviously see the patient, but yeah. let's face it. But you you, you want to get paid. <laughs> right. So you can that's why some people open practices in their and their pro bono at first when they first open them until they I guess they get a good clientele going. Yeah. And then they they can start charging or people. Some physicians will um, partner with another facility mm-hmm. and they will use their own um, national identifying number to get paid. Mm-hmm. So instead of getting paid under the physician's office, right. the actual doctor's office name, they'll get paid under their own name instead. So mm-hmm. it just depends on if the doctor or physician wants to work with that practice and get paid under that practice and the, the practice distributes the money to all the physicians or they want to be their own and mm-hmm. get paid on their own. Wow. Yeah. And part of that has a big part of that has to do with how they actually contracted with the insurance company mm-hmm. for payment. So that's driving also what's getting put on the claim form that we mm-hmm. submit to the insurance. Mm-hmm. So it, it really is, it's complex, but it, to a certain extent, I look at it like it's a game, mm-hmm. right? right? How can I make this the most <clears throat> effective, efficient, billing process possible, collect the most money, and make sure that I'm dropping an accurate claim Mm -hmm. or statement to that patient so that they're not paying more than they have to. Right. I mean, that's that's the number one, because, you know, the patient is always first, and especially going through the tough time they go through, it's it's hard when you get that bill and and your mouth drops, but you you at least want to know know that someone um, in insurance is is there with you and and helping you out. So, um, with the rise of telemedicine and remote patient care, how does your company adapt to uh, medical billing and service to accommodate those evolving care delivery methods that's coming today? Because most of the doctors nowadays are using these little robots. They're using uh, Zoom. They're doing a lot of things. So will medical billing change around these things? Will there be different codes that come out to adapt to this new world or it's be the same? You know, it's interesting because I I think we dealt with a lot of this while we were going through COVID, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Because all of a sudden, everything was closed. We had to find a new way to deliver care. Um, And the regulations for how you build that to the insurance Mm -hmm. company changed based on the insurance company, based on the day of the week, it felt like, you know, people were changing their their coding guidelines on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. You know, telehealth has increased 38 times since pre-COVID rates. That's crazy. It's huge. Right. Um, And I think we've kind of stabilized now from insurance company to insurance company with exactly how to bill for it. Um, for a lot of the providers, though, as they're shopping for software systems, too, not all of them accommodate telehealth. Right. So that's really a, 
that's that's a huge issue. Mm -hmm. They have to almost know as they're going into setting up their practice that yes, I want telehealth as an option. Yeah, yeah, and, it, and then the the software and the apps and all the applications they have to also change how they're how they're doing things and how they're delivering things. And also so. how the providers are keeping up with the patient records. Mm. So the electronic health records mm -hmm. is, is also a big portion because yeah. some of those health uh, uh, software systems will allow the providers to mm -hmm. provide telemedicine or televisits to, right. the, to the patients. So yeah. it just depends on what the physician's office is willing to pay for that software to mm -hmm. be able to provide that service to their to their clients. One of the things I, I noticed as I was starting to stand up this business, obviously I needed to, to search for my own medical billing software mm -hmm. to make sure that I've got a package that I can offer providers that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, they actually have free medical billing software out there. Wow. And I did not realize that before. It's a great free EHR. It's called um, Open EHR, actually. And they provide all sorts of things, including telehealth as an wow. option. Um, obviously, things that are, quote unquote, free are not entirely mm -hmm, free because mm -hmm. you've got to pay for hosting right. and support and other things like that. But there are options out there for the providers that now that are very inexpensive for them. Mm -hmm. That's cool because you you want to be able to move into the future and feel comfortable making those moves and not feel like you're going to be out of your league and not have any help when right. you need to when you need to uh, get to grasp that new technology that's coming out. So uh, transparency in healthcare pricing has been a, a hot topic lately. And um, how does contemporary medical solutions promote transparency in medical building for patients and providers to, you know, to know? Because it's been a big deal where some people feel like they uh, don't understand or they're getting ripped off or, you know, they're, they're one code means this. And then you feel like you're getting paid something different. Um, how do you guys uh, make sure that you're transparent? Well, we actually, um, there is a national act called the No Surprises Act. Mm -hmm. It's important, again, to make sure that the patients, especially the ones without insurance mm -hmm. or the ones that have very high deductibles, know what the cost is. So we will work with the doctor's office to help develop what is that that costing method that mm -hmm. we want to use so that we can share a price with the patient. Because right. I'm, I'm sure you know, you walk into that doctor's office, right? And we've got five different levels of service to choose from. Right. Well, it you know, your price really depends on the complexity of the visit, which mm. is difficult to guess in advance. Yeah. So for a lot of practices, what we do is we kind of help them do the analysis to say, okay, I'm going to charge a, a mid-range for our self-pay patients. That's okay. going to be $62 or whatever, um, so that they can let them know that up front. Okay. Um, for surgeries, for patients that are having surgery, mm. A lot of times we'll work with the practices to develop a method to go analyze that patient's benefits, the mm -hmm. insurance contract, and really be able to give that patient an estimated out-of-pocket cost in advance of the surgery. Because you're right, it's important. With 50% of Americans carrying medical debt at this mm -hmm. point, yeah. people need to know in advance some sort of expectation mm -hmm. of what they might be yeah. asked to pay. Yeah, and man. Then, uh, another thing, if you didn't know, um, a lot of the hospitals now... Mm -hmm will have what's called a um, chart sheet or their pricing methods. Mm -hmm. They'll have them listed on their websites okay. now. Mm -hmm. So again, like if you're going in for like, if you need to go in for an MRI mm -hmm. or if you need like a CT scan or something mm -hmm. like that, and you know, your physician refers you to go to the hospital to get it done, you can right. just go on there and say, hey, okay, I need a CT scan of my left foot. 
and you can you can literally pick that based off of the description Mm -hmm. and it'll tell you what your estimated cost right out of pocket would be for that particular service and that's and that's really really important because i think that a lot of people feel as though you know you go to one hospital um the the prices are different Mm -hmm. you go to another place and then this place has higher uh prices or dick's doctor costs more it's it's really really confusing to the average person that's trying to navigate this and um i I think there has to be a way to to make it more transparent where the pricing is all the way the same across the board i know it's kind of hard like you said it's difficult because the care may be different for one person who is having a heart transplant that and another person who have maybe a, a, a easier time. I'm not, they're both difficult situations, but one person may have a heart transplant. One, one person may have an easier time doing that. And he, maybe his care is a little bit cheaper than the other. Who knows? You know what I mean? How that works. But it's, it's, I wish that there was a way that just like you said, you can go to the site and you can kind of see exactly what you're going to get. And if every hospital was on, on board with that, I think people would feel a little bit more comfortable with the pricing and they don't feel like they're going everywhere they go, the price is different. You know what I mean? And I think that's a, that's a huge problem that we all see it. You know what I mean? And it's, it's weird the way it's set up, but no one knows it's like the wild West, you know, people, they, they can pick whatever pricing they want to. And it's, but I mean, it's tough. You know, I think of it like this. Um, I try to tell people it's kind of like car insurance. Mm-hmm. You're going to pay more or a certain area than you would. So like in, for example, in Scottsdale for car insurance, you're going to pay roughly $300 for a limited for liability, right? right? But if you're on but the south you go, side, you're going to pay a little bit more because it's a little bit more crime. Definitely. Exactly. So that's kind of how your healthcare works also. So mm-hmm. that's what you see when you see the difference in the prices from one facility to the next. Hmm. Um, it's because the way that they're contracted and how how many people in that area are receiving care. Wow. So how much does the care cost for everyone in this general area mm-hmm. for us to take care of these people? That's how they are averaging out their their pricing for their services. Wow. They do. And and Medicare, I think, is the clearest example of this, mm-hmm. where it really is a set price based on a geographic region. Wow. Whereas a lot of the commercial payers, it comes down to how good of a contract negotiator they have on staff there. Mm-hmm. You know, and what are they looking at? Because you can have neighboring hospitals in the same geographic region for Medicare. Right. But two totally different prices or payment methodologies. I mean, if we look at hospitals, a lot of those contracts were initially a percentage of the fee schedule. Mm-hmm. So whatever they charged, they'd get a percentage back off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're moving away from those contracts today. I think that's going to help right. uh, reduce the cost a little bit too, yeah. but still make sure that the hospitals are receiving enough payment to keep the doors open. Mm-hmm. And it's what, one of my uh, one of our watchers, uh, Anthony, was saying that. Uh, the itemized bill is never really shown to to most patients, and uh, they feel like that's a, a scary. He said that that's a scary feeling that they don't really get the itemized billing um, that they think they may should be receiving. You know what I mean? So, and uh, um, to answer that, Anthony, mm-hmm. you can always call your doctor's office or hospital or wherever you receive the service mm-hmm. and request the itemized statement. Okay, so that way. If you request it, they're going to mail it directly to you. Okay. So you're going to see the full breakdown of every single code and how much money was paid, how much 
the uh, code was charged, right. how much the they charge yeah. for that specific for, code. For every code, right. For every code. You'll yeah. you'll get that in the itemized statement. Okay. And then um, it'll also tell you at the very bottom, um, usually um, how much the insurance paid, mm-hmm. if there were any adjustments, mm-hmm. and what your patient responsibility may be. Okay. So the itemized bill, along with your explanation of benefits, which is not a bill, because many people think that when they receive they those in the, yes. in the mail, that they are receiving a bill. Mm. Sometimes it is telling you, hey, your provider may send you a bill for this amount. So just be on the lookout okay. for this. Um, that's basically your insurance company letting you know, like, hey, we've already processed the claim from the doctor's office. And this is what your responsibility is going to be. So mm-hmm. your doctor may be sending you a bill for that. Yeah. yeah. And your next step as a patient, what you really want to do is take that explanation of benefits and match it up to the statement that you received okay. from your doctor's okay. office or the hospital to make sure that you're not paying right. more mm-hmm. than what your insurance company is telling mm-hmm. them to. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people get outraged simply by the gross charge that's sitting on there. Mm. But physicians, hospitals, you know, we put that gross charge on there with no expectation that we're ever going to receive 100%. Mm. It just has to be higher than what the insurance company will allow payment for mm. in order to, to receive your full payment. Okay. So for example, we might charge $3,000 for a surgery knowing full well that we're only going to have $1,000 that gets allowed out of that. Okay. Um, but we might do that because a different insurance company allows $2,500 for that same service. Okay. Um, so Part of this is just a money game in my mind, really, mm-hmm. because that adjustment is simply saying, yep, that's we're writing this down to the contractual allowed amount from from your insurance contract, basically. Okay. I mean, like I said, you guys are helping to to clear clarify some of this for some of our, our viewers and some of our people who we all go to the hospital. We all have to go get our checkups and we all go to the dentist. So it's very good to, to people to hear this and understand what EOB is because I know some people don't. I didn't know what the hell it is. So <laughs> it's dope to, 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 for people to hear this. So I appreciate you guys. And, um, you know, I want to ask this couple of questions. We have two more questions I want to ask. What advice would you give to healthcare providers looking to optimize their medical billing processes and to maximize their revenue as a company? I'd recommend that they engage with a a professional. A lot of times consultations are free from people. Mm -hmm. And what's going to happen is they'll take a deep dive into your data to look at things like your gross collection percent, your net collection percentage, Mm -hmm. your denial percentage, what's getting rejected before it even gets submitted to the insurance company because there's sort of a gate there before it goes to say, does everything look right? Mm Kind of like a clearinghouse, if you will. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end of the day, it's about identifying which metrics need improvement and then working to prevent that and optimize all those areas mm-hmm. while tackling efficiency too. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, that's that's a big part of it. I think that people have to realize, even in all businesses, how you have to be meticulous about how you're doing things and go through it with a uh, fine tooth comb to figure out exactly where you're missing things and what things that you can take to get better as a company. And I think your, your advice is very, very, very good. So uh, finally, um, what set contemporary medical solutions apart from other medical billing companies and what values or principle guides your approach to serving clients in the healthcare industry today? 
So what really differentiates us is our experience. Like I, I think I mentioned, I've been in the industry now for 30 years. Mm. Um, I've got multiple certifications and the people that are on my team working with me have been in the industry for at least 20 years as well yeah. and have multiple certifications. And we've been on the physician side of billing. Mm. A lot of times what you see is people that either go back and forth between physician and hospital, and that's not us. Mm. We truly specialize just for physicians. And we focus on the smaller practices. Mm. A lot of times they've got difficult times finding medical billing companies right. that understand how to communicate mm -hmm. and can share metrics. Um, I'll talk to providers sometimes that just by looking at their metrics in about five minutes, mm -hmm. I can explain to them what some questions are they want to ask their billing company um, and what else they might want to do to help improve those metrics. Right. Right. So I think for us, it's really the differentiator is experience and we're going to communicate. Our mm -hmm. providers need to be in the loop. They need to know where their money is because that collection cycle is not immediate. It mm. takes time. Yeah. That's cool that you guys are there to help out these practices because I know it's very difficult because like you explained earlier to, to get a practice going and you, you need someone to help you through these things and having a good company to contract and building coding it too. It's pretty awesome. And uh, we appreciate you coming in as explaining that to us and, and hopefully your business does better and better every day. And uh, we hope nothing but the great, um, good things for you guys in the future. Uh, let's run a quick, quick commercial, Jimmy, and we'll be back with more Carolyn Stamey. Welcome back. Welcome back. We have uh, Carolyn Stamey here, owner of Contemporary Medical Solutions, uh, providing medical billing to the, for the city. So um, let's do some uh, some news, bro. Run Habari Weekly. Now, this week's Habari News Weekly with Damon Dipling Ellison, sponsored by. Uh, sponsored by no one at this time. But uh, if you do want to sponsor, give us an email at uh, info at barryentertainment.com and we can get commercials going for you. We have um, deals where we can get articles going for you, um, social media sharing. Uh, you might you might want to get with it, man, because uh, the prices will be going up. Because Even add article placement. Yeah, man, because um, we get more and more views every week and, and we're looking more and more uh, like we may be catching on as a, as a cast. So. You never know, man. So you better get with it while we're cheap. So first story you want to talk about is uh, the CIA. They fire a whistleblower who was suing over claims she was sexually assaulted at a spy agency headquarters. Pretty crazy stuff, man. Um, the CIA always have some under underhanded things going. We're always trying to figure well, out what's that's the what secrets spy going agency. on. Right? Exactly. So. But it's crazy they fired her. We don't know exactly if the what she says is true or not, but uh it's they're they're making it seem like it is because they're they're firing her, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? But 
anyway, a female CIA trainer who claimed she was assaulted in a star stairwell at CIA, CIA headquarters in 2022 is now suing the agency alleging intimidation has been fired, her lawyer said on Thursday in an email sent to the House Intelligence Committee staff who have been hearing testimonies from alleged victims of sexual assault at the CIA. The lawyer called the dismissal clear retaliation for her protected whistleblower statements to law enforcement, Congress and the IG um, as a sexual assault victim in a statement. CIA spokesperson Tammy Thorpe called the attorney's uh, statement factually inaccurate. But that's what it looks like. You can say what well, it's inaccurate, so but that's what she, it, when you she, fire somebody, when they when they have a claim. Right. It looks like you should have just put them on on a little break or something. Me- medical leave. Right, until we figure out what's going on. Right. And if, that's what you do. You don't want to just fire them in the, immediately. It looks, makes people look guilty. Right. Like, so the, it, it seems like the lady, you know, had several valid or several claims to she has whoever claims. she she needs it's to claims. make claims We don't know to. if it's true or not, but you, you would want to see. Then they. That's my thing. Right. They oh, escalated by fire. Mm. Fire. But to be clear, the CIA does not tolerate sexual assault. <laughs> 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 sexual harassment or whistleblower retaliation, Thorpe said. So the uh, people that fired her need to be getting fired too? I, it seemed like that was retaliation, man. The unnamed trainee failed the agency's rigorous training program for clandestine officers known colloquially as the form. Uh, wow, that's okay. According to the lawyer, Kevin Carroll, after she had testified before the House Intelligence Committee about her assault, he said she was then given 90 days to find another job within the agency or be terminated. Huh. Ouch. Um, okay. She was unable to secure another position and then was dismissed. That's tough, man. Uh, according to Carroll, the trainee is a highly qualified project manager who spoke multiple languages, including Russian and Ukrainian. Uh, Thorpe said uh, regarding allegations related to the agency's rigorous training, as you would expect, CIA uses consistent process to ensure the fair and equal treatment of every officer going through the training. Doesn't it doesn't seem sound like, it, like man. that was fair. It doesn't sound like no. it, man. Uh, the trainee's dismissal comes four months after she filed a federal civil rights lawsuit in Virginia, claiming that the agency um, inappropriately intervened on behalf of her assailant in his criminal trial last year. That's crazy. So they're protecting him. Uh, well, you wow. know, I, I mean, you don't know, I, I don't know too uh, about the situation. This is my first time going into it, but it looks pretty bad. You know what I mean? It looks bad. But uh, we have another story here. Uh, two dead after a private jet uh, carrying five lands on a Florida interstate and, and, and hits some vehicles, man. That's 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 so scary, man. That's 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 the type of stuff you fear of all the time. Just driving and then the plane just drops out of the sky. There was another one this morning. They were talking about. Um, I don't think anybody died in it though, but mm. it was on I seventeen near. Um, I think it was like up north, north. Really? Yeah. A plane cut. A two seat must be a small plane. Yeah, it was a real small one. It just landed right on the I seventeen. I was like, what? Have you seen it a couple yeah. times where people have landed? But usually it's landed safely. Uh, this is the first one of the first times I've seen people were killed after the uh, the jet came down. Uh, they were carrying five people. It landed on the interstate in southwest Florida and crashed into a vehicle on Friday afternoon. Authorities said the incident occurred in the southbound lanes of Interstate 75 near mile marker 107 in the Collier County, uh, according to a Friday afternoon statement from the Florida Highway Patrol. 
uh, footage from the scene showed that uh, what looked like wreckage with smoke billowing from it and dozens of emergency vehicles. Two people were killed in the incident. According, according to the Collier County Sheriff's Office, it was unknown to if anyone was else anyone else was seriously injured in the crash. No one with Highway Patrol could be immediately reached for comment. The incident occurred about 3.15 p.m., according to a uh, federal aging, uh, aviation administration. Man, it's pretty crazy, man. That's scary stuff, man. Like I said, that's, that's stuff that you see in the movies. You never want to see that in real life. But uh, rest in peace to the to the people, and uh, that's that's pretty... It's pretty crazy, man. Um, they say that the plane took off from Ohio State University Airport in Columbus, Ohio, about 1 p.m. The jet was minutes from landing at Naples Airport when the pilots told air traffic control that the, the aircraft's two engines uh, malfunctioned and the air traffic controller then lost contact with the aircraft. So it, mm. it pretty much happened immediately after the engines went out. So it's pretty sad. Uh, my last one I have... I might have one more. Ghana artifacts uh, looted 150 years ago by the British have been returned by a U.S. museum. So that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, um, they've been trying to get, it's been hard. Um, uh, England is one of the places that that feels as though they don't have to give the stuff back because they feel as though that it's more, uh, it's safer with them is what is what they try to say. Um, that even though it's not theirs, they feel as though it's safer with them and we don't we shouldn't give it back to the people that we looted it from. But in this situation, um, seven royal artifacts uh, looted 150 years ago by British colonial forces from Ghana's ancient Asante kingdom and kept by United States Museum have been returned and presented to the kingdom on Thursday. The latest of a series of stolen treasures, items being um, repatriated to several African countries uh, looted from British colonized Ghana in the 19th century before being transferred to Fowler Museum at the University of California, Los Angeles in the 60s. The artifacts include an uh, elephant tail whisk, an ornamental chair made of wood, uh, leather and iron, two gold steel ornaments, and a gold necklace and two bracelets. So it's pretty dope, man. Uh, the people were out. Um, Utu, I'm gonna kill your name, so I want to say, but they're happy that it's back. You know what I'm saying? And you know, his last name is Tutu. That's 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 the only thing I'm gonna say. That's the only one I know because the rest of it, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the royal items were received by the kingdom on Monday, which marks the 150th anniversary of when the British colonial forces sacked the Asante city in 1874. That was when uh, four of the items were looted while the other three were part of a, a indemnity payment made by Asante Kingdom to the British. Wow. So that's pretty dope, man. Um, my last one, I want to talk give outs for, um, since we all have, we are in Black History Month, I want to talk about this, uh, this gentleman named Ed Dwight, who was to be the first Black astronaut, is finally getting his due. Uh, Mr. Dwight grew up in the segregated 1930s Kansas on a farm on the edge of town. And Airfield was in walking distance from his home as a boy. He would uh, often go to marvel at the planes and gawk at the pilots. Most were flying back from uh, hunting trips and their um, cabins were messy with blood and empty beer cans. Wow. Uh, They say to me, hey, kid, would you clean up my airplane and I'll give you a dime? Dwight 90 recalls. But when he was eight or nine, Dwight asked for more than a dime. He wanted to fly. 
his first flight was uh, exhilarating and he, uh, he learned how to to fly the planes he ended up flying in korea uh they were i think he was somehow he was going to be an astronaut but it set in motion of series of events that would nearly lead him to uh being among the first astronauts to watch pr uh, progress through the air force he was handpicked by john kennedy uh white house to join chuck yeager's test uh, pilot program at edward air force base in california mojave desert but he wasn't ultimately picked but he was among that first group that was that going was to selected. yeah right that was selected so that's pretty cool man that's uh, pretty dope thing uh to know that that there was almost in that first group of, of, of black man who had been a pilot all his life so that's pretty dope and he will be getting a documentary about his life so that's why they're talking about it and everything what you got we're gonna go ahead and talk about um First, I want to talk about the, the decapitation death of a baby delivered in a Georgia hospital. Oh. Has been ruled a homicide. County officials said on Tuesday, the Clayton County Medical Examiner's that's, Office that's freaky, confirmed that the death resulted from the fracture dislocation of the baby's upper cervical spine and spinal cord. The mother, Jessica Ross, and her family have sued the doctor who delivered the baby the OBGYN practice, other staff who assisted in the birth procedure, and the hospital, Southern Regional Medical Center. The suit alleges uh, medical negligence caused the death of Trayvon Isaiah Taylor Jr. and alleges that the hospital attempted to cover up the decapitation. Um, meanwhile, in a separate lawsuit, Ross and her husband, Trayvon Isaiah Taylor, have sued an independent pathologist that they hired to conduct, to conduct an autopsy on their child. The suit alleges that the doctor shared photos, videos, and videos of the examination on social media, including pictures of the child's face and videos showing their organs. And that's freaking That's man. just wrong. And a major HIPAA violation. Right. I mean, he's, I mean, that's scary. Man, that's scary, man. Yeah. I, I just don't understand. Um, I don't get it. Like. That's weird, bro. Yeah. It, I guess when they went to deliver the baby, they pulled the wrong way or they didn't take the baby out the correct way. Man, that's and, scary, man. Yeah. I mean. stuff, bro. You got to know your doctors, too. I mean, and she had total faith in these doctors know, that man. day. Yeah, they they let her down. But I, that's scary, man. They did. On to the next one, because I don't even want to tell on that too much. An Oklahoma judge stepped down on Friday after allegedly exchanging more than 500 text messages <laughs> with the bailiff in which she mocks trial participants. And this was during the trial. Talked offensively about the state's attorneys while she presided yeah. over a June murder trial. So they, that's going to be a it's going to be a mistrial um, yeah. immediately. Uh, Lincoln County District Judge Tracy Soderstorm agreed to resign as part of a settlement with the state after it accused her of inappropriate conduct on the bench and petitioned for her removal from office. She had held position in the 23rd Judicial District of Oklahoma since January of 23. Mm. And her term was set to expire in January of 27. Right. And the petition filed in October cited text 
exchanges in which Soderstrom made fun of the attorneys, juries, the jurors, and the witnesses. Wow. She and her clown. She was in there clowning. Right. And she and the bailiff, I guess, must have gave the text messages over to the. Yep. And the filing also describes Soderstrom showing a dislike for the state prosecutors while showing favor to the defendant mm. and complimenting the, def- the defense Did attorney. Did the defense end up winning? They don't say. They don't say. I mean, we they need probably to. Didn't prob- I'm right. I'm thinking right. That, they- <laughs> that. I mean, that there is nothing that they could. Yeah, man. That's the, if the defense won, man. It's definitely a grounds for mistrial, right? You uh, know, they say her showing the favoritism towards accusations them. against her included gross negligence mm-hmm. of duty, yeah, gross partiality in office, mm-hmm. and oppression in office. Yeah, man. Eesh. I, 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 I mean, she's showing favoritism through if, text messages. If the for the, one side, mm-hmm. that's just automatic grounds for dismissal, right? I mean, she. I mean, like I said though, she's definitely dismissed. But if if I'm the lawyer, the the defense attorney, I'm I'm definitely going immediately to file a mistrial. Mistrial. If my if my client lost the case on these based grounds, off of, based off this, this is immediate mistrial. Right. You know what I mean, I, I need I need to go back to court to get my done. She was showing favoritism towards the uh, def- defense, yep. and if I was the prosecutor, you know what I mean, we would be let let's get let's get this going again because um, obviously, and, and for her to be so oblivious, but the prosecutor in the, the the courtroom, literally looking down, texting, and there's a camera right yes, behind, camera behind her, you, yeah. so they got you on video. Sending text messages in the middle of the trial. How is that even appropriate that she's got her phone out there? Yeah, like the right. Place. Exactly. Like, it shouldn't it's even be job. nowhere near. You the... should be paying attention to the trial. Right. <laughs> you, right. you need to do your job. <laughs> right. Oh, that's crazy, man. What, you, what else you got? We can go into the hot mess. Let's go to the hot mess, bro. Get ready for the week's Hollywood hot mess with Aisha Rowan. Sponsored by... No one, but if you would like to sponsor us, send us an email at info at habarientertainment.com. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. All right, y'all. So we're going to start with some sad news in Hollywood this week. A crew member working on the Marvel Studios series, Wonder Man. Mm-hmm. Died following an accident on set on Tuesday morning at CBS Radford Studios Eesh. in Studio City. It's tough, man. The man whose name will, was not made public was a rigger who fell from the rafters, mm. according to the trade publication deadline, which for, first reported the news. Right. They said that filming um, for Wonder Man was set to, to start mm-hmm. next year or next month. For yeah, so man, he was so. just setting everything up. Yeah, they were. Just, he was a set together, person, right. right? So that's tough, yeah. man. That's tough. Those sets, man. Like I said, it's really, really dangerous, man. And with, especially with how big the sets that Marvel yeah, be building, it's it's, it's yeah, dangerous. I mean, a lot of people get hurt in a, on those sets, man. And it's uh, not just Marvel movie sets yeah, either. Yeah, I mean, man. all type you, movie sets. And and they were saying, you know, that they don't really do a, a well enough accurate um, record keeping. Right, for, for all the of the the, the, the people, the people work who there. work mm-hmm. on the sets that yeah. that die, right. so there's no really record to see how many have died or how dangerous it is, and right for sure, yeah, man, that's sad. Um, uh, that's a sad and uh, no. But hey, stuff. On the brighter side, we are getting Wonder Man. 
Filming yeah, starts yeah. next <laughs> month. <laughs> yeah, Wonder Man is is coming. Um, we're gonna see, you know, how how everybody is, you know, eesh, but we'll see. We'll see. Then we're gonna go ahead and move into Ozzy Osbourne talking about Kanye West. Oh goodness. Yeah, I mean, you know, cause. Let me tell y'all, Ozzy Osbourne ain't too happy with Mr. West right now. Mr. West. Mr. West, he ain't happy for using a Black Sabbath sample on his new album without permission. Uh, I know he's going to get sued. And, and, you know, Ozzy's wife, Sharon, she's even more furious. Oh, goodness. She's always talking. But here's the deal. Um, On Friday, uh, Ozzy hopped on Twitter and absolutely torched ye for featuring a sample of an old Black Sabbath song on one of his tracks for Vultures. Mm. Ozzy seemed to think it was War Pigs, even though it really sounded like Iron Man. Oh, how you gonna steal the Iron Man? I mean, that that's iconic. Everybody knows that. Exactly. And this is the reason why Ozzy was fuming. I heard a couple people saying the Kanye album is good, so... I'm not going to listen. We already know how you feel about it. Yeah, we already know. We already know how I feel. I ain't, I ain't even giving it a try. Man, not at all. People have really short memories, man. It's crazy. But uh, Ozzy wrote on, on, on Twitter and said that Kanye asked permission to sample a section of a 1983 live performance of War Pig mm-hmm. from the U.S. Festival without vocals and was refused permission. Wow. But, you know, he did it anyway. Mm-mm. He used it anyway. And Ozzy's like, you know, he refused permission because Kanye is anti-Semitic. And he's, you know, caused a lot of, you know, heartache and trouble with a whole lot of people. And they're Jewish, I think, right? They, they are Jewish. And, you know, um, you know, he went on and added that he uh, went ahead and used the sample anyway. Um, and that... Uh, Ozzy said he he wants no association with, with this man. Way, right. He wants no association with Kanye. Right. So that's why he's even more mad, and and his wife is even more mad. It's because mm-hmm. you know they they said no, you cannot use this. Right. And he yeah. went and did it anyway. Mm-hmm. So well, they finna saw him. So good yeah. luck, Kanye. But uh, another and and more Kanye used news I read this week. Bill Maher he did an interview with uh, Kanye and um, he decided not to air the interview because he, he figured that um, it was just going to add more uh, flames to the fire Mm -hmm. uh, with him coming on with his uh, anti-Semitic views views and and some of the statements he had. So Bill Maher decided not to, to run the, the, the interview and a lot of people were asking about it. So it's just things that, that Kanye is missing out. Uh, because he wants to run with this this hate and it's it's so ignorant um th- these people have did nothing to him but he wants to i guess the people of uh adidas he's mad at mm-hmm. and um he just wants to go in on them or whatever other situations he's talking about i don't even know but it's it's just ignorant man it's very ignorant and um and i understand that people not want to do anything with them because if it was uh, uh, my people that they he was talking about or, or anyone was talking about, I would feel the same way. Yep. So I wouldn't understand them not wanting to mess with him after he's being racist and anti-Semitic towards them. I, I, yep. I, I'm in in this situation. You have to completely agree. I hundred percent agree. hundred I mean, percent. They could they what what why they why would they want him to have his song and he's talking about he don't like 
Jews. I mean, right. it's ignorant. Stupid. That's stupid stuff. There's there's no way impossible, you know, hell, that anybody would want right, to deal no, with. Right. Especially if you coming out and you talking all this trash about about me the way that you do. Mm-hmm. There's no way that I want you to be able Nothing. We don't want nothing to do with nothing you. to do with you. Right. I don't even want you using my music, my words, nothing. I don't even want you quoting me. Yeah, man, that's trash. It's trash. Uh, uh, all right, man. Let's go ahead and do the uh do the sports. Habari Sports. Welcome, another to all sports enthusiasts and fans of the game. Welcome to this electrifying edition of Abari Sports. We're going to talk about the Suns, man. They was able to smop up the uh, the Jazz. They couldn't hang with us in that first game after the trade deadline. Uh, it took the Jazz coach, uh, Will Hardy, about six weeks to find a rotation that worked. He now has to go back to the drawing board. There's going to be a process right now of figuring out what's next in terms of who fits well with who, Hardy said, in the wake of the Utah Jazz. Uh, trade line, uh, trade deadline deals. Uh, the first attempt didn't go well, going versus the Suns. The New Lake Jazz were routed one twenty nine and one fifteen by the Suns Thursday in the game. Utah never led. Uh, Durant scored thirty one. Bradley dropped thirty. Phoenix shot forty eight percent from the f- three pointer. Uh, the Suns jumped out to a nineteen point lead in the first half against the Jazz team that took a while to find its footing after the recent trades. Utah did close the lead to a three points in the third quarter, but comeback attempt was short-lived. The Suns responded with a 13-0 run and kept Utah at arm's length. Pretty great. Um, we did get uh, Rose O'Neal and David Roddy on the trade deals, which is pretty cool. And um, I think we gave up uh, Kate's, uh, uh, Bates, Diop, uh, Jordan Goodwin, and Utah Watanabe and uh, Me Too or whatever his name is. So. They gave them up. Not much that we gave give up. They wasn't really playing anyway. So hopefully Royce O'Neal can help out, man, in the rotation. But um, that's pretty much all I have. Oh, Super Bowl. We uh, well, they call it the Taylor Swift Bowl. They calling it this mm-hmm. year. Man, I was watching a story this morning. It was so ridiculous, man. The whole story was just Swifties talking about how they gonna celebrate the Super Bowl. It was so corny, bro. But they they the Swifties are going crazy. The Super Bowl is is uh um, everybody betting to see if she's gonna make it to uh from Tokyo to Vegas to run down to the field if he wins. Well, the Chiefs are the underdogs. They they they're supposed to lose. Supposed to supposed to. Right? They supposed they weren't but, supposed to make you know, it to the Super Bowl. They say that if he loses. <laughs> 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 they said that um, she would if she leaves Tokyo or she flies out right after the end of her concert, she can make, she it. Can make it still with enough time to have at least a couple hours of rest before the concert mm-hmm. starts. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. That's cool. A lot of people wanted to be there for the camera can pan there every time he catches the ball or every time mm-hmm. something good happens for the chief. The camera has to pan to her. So. Every time. And Taylor Swift again. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about the rumors that he may actually propose to her after the Super Bowl? Oh, night? my goodness. I know. So, like I mean. I don't know how long it's been. They, they've been dating all season. Yeah, it's all it's been pretty much the whole season, pretty much. Something like that. But I don't know. I just uh, know that Hollywood is losing it right now. And 
I saw them talking about they're the new David Beckham couple. And oh, what's the old girl? I forget the the Spice Girl who used to date David Beckham. But they was like, they're that new couple that's just making it big and trending. I'm like, oh. All right. So <laughs> Robert said, let's go Niners. Boo. <laughs> Hey man, the Niners are supposed to win it, man. Um, I know. The Niners are supposed to win it. My pick, I'm going to take the Chiefs just because they're the underdog. They weren't supposed to be here in the first place. They really wasn't. You know what I mean? And the I, way they played this year, I picked them to lose. Every I was time. surprised that they even made it. But I did pick the 49ers to lose to the Lions, too. So I've been wrong every time. So every, <laughs> every single time. Uh, we gotta we gotta we gotta get hit me with the womp womp. I ain't been right since the semifinals, man. So but it's all good. Uh let's do comic books, man, for we can play the game and get up out of here. Comic Book Corner, sponsored by. We have Disney boss saying Marvel Studios will shift focus to stronger franchises. This, the MCU will focus on its strongest brands. Uh, commenting on the future of Disney, Bob Iger's, uh, Iger statement, mostly focused on how things would be handled for upcoming Disney and Pixar features. Briefly talking about the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he stated that Marvel is starting to focus on some of its strongest franchises going forward. But I'll uh, leave it at that. He didn't want to really give us too much. Um, I know that last year everybody was complaining about the movies and some of the characters they've been bringing out and some of the diversity because people don't like that. So we'll see what they do, man. I know that I'm a, one movie coming out this year. So that's definitely a big slowdown. And they said from the future on, they're going to they're gonna slow down a lot of things. Uh, they did talk about the Fantastic Four movie coming out, Captain America movie coming out, but it was a couple movies that's supposed to come out that they didn't talk about. So we don't know if those have been removed from the slate or what. But uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on everything and keep you guys updated on what's, ha- what's happening. Um, I know fans have taken this information to mean that the longer awaited projects such as uh the Hulk movie and some of the other projects uh may not may be held up for years uh largely due to the cinematic rights and characters being held up by Universal. I don't understand that fight though with Universal. I'm just, just give it up. Just give it up. What are you doing? It's just I don't understand. But anyway, hopefully they can figure those things out and uh they can get things going and everybody can stop crying about how bad the movies are. Uh, Cause I, I'm sick of them crying online. So, do you think that there will be? Do you think that since Marvel only has one movie coming out this year, that mm. everybody's gonna go see it? That it's yeah, just it's gonna, gonna blow do box well. Office just because it's, it's gonna only do well. just the one movie. And Deadpool do, does well anyway. So you got Deadpool that already do, does well, and then on top of that, it's a, now it's an MCU movie, and it's in tw- intertwined into the story of what's going on in the MCU. That's only going to bring more fans to the to the to the stage. So they're gonna if that movie's going to do well. It's going to do a billion, half a billion, something. It's going to do something crazy. So yo yo yo, let's go ahead and um play this play this game and get up out of here. We're- 
Let's get ready to play trivia for Loot. Sponsored by... After this, yeah, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. All right, let's play some trivia. Let's see what you know, Carolyn. All right. <laughs> let's go. So we got 10 questions. If you get seven out of 10 correct, you will get a Habari Entertainment t-shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Made no. by moi. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just not. All right. Our first question. Which broadcasting network in the United States is solely dedicated to entertainment news and updates? Entertainment news network. Entertainment. E-entertainment. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, you know. Yeah, me too. Me. I was like a bar entertainment, bro. <laughs> On the day of his wife's murder, what drink was Andy drinking in the movie The Shawshank Redemption? Uh, I have no idea. I don't remember that movie like that, man. How about whiskey? Let's go with whiskey. I read the book. It was, was not whiskey. Uh, wine. No. Was it um Hennessy? Bourbon. bourbon. <laughs> Hennessy's bourbon. a bourbon. Tennessee is a bourbon, baby. Who? I knew a girl named Bourbon. Who was the director of X-Men 2000? Mm. Well, this I can't even guess. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I got nothing. Kevin Feige? Kevin Feige? No. no. Uh, it was Josh not Kevin. Whedon? No. Josh Whedon? Mm-mm. Oh. I don't know, bro. <laughs> Brian Singer. That's, yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that. I don't think I've ever even heard of him. <laughs> I mean, you know, he only didn't come in, but that's probably why. <laughs> what, what color does litmus paper turn when dipped in acid? What? <laughs> what is she asking over here? Let's go with purple. I mean, we should at least take a guess, right? right? I mean, it's a I, color. I, I thought it was. I heard of a litmus test, but I've never heard of a litmus red paper. Whatever, dude. I know we got it wrong. <laughs> Let's go. It is red. There that's, you go. That's crazy. So it's like that old I ancient paper when you set it on fire, it turns red instead of. Like when it burns away, it's, it's yeah. like this red color. Oh, or, or, uh, I never heard of that, bro. Photography paper. Yep. In in the photography room, when you did, and that's why it's, I guess that's why it's always in a red room or a black room or something like that. I don't know. See, I, don't I know. thought that was too obvious. I'm like, I can't, like, red, I can't, like, too obvious. <laughs> I, I never heard of that. Where did the Mayflower set sail from in 1620? England? Or are we looking for something more specific? Something more specific. Oh my gosh. Um, London? Mm-mm. England? She already said England. Oh. <laughs> That's tough, man. I don't know. Southampton. 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 Wow. Wow. I didn't even know the Hamptons over there. So, Which scary movie character has the real name? Charles Lee Ray. Well, I like that answer. I'll go with Freddy Krueger with you. Because I don't know. It's a scary movie. It's a scary movie. No way. 
Yes. Which scary movie character? It's the dude with the face, uh, the mask. I don't know his name. It is not. What? It is Chucky. Oh, yeah. That's right. Oh yeah, he is a serial yeah, killer. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, they named him Charles. It's, it's like the name of every killer put together. Put together. <laughs> what is dry ice? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, we knew you were special, but uh, evaporated water. I don't know. Yeah, that's tough. Like, that doesn't even make sense. I don't even but... know what it means. I don't know. Like, I know what dry ice does, but... I don't understand the chemical compounds that put it together or anything like that. Right. Solid carbon dioxide. Yeah, see, I didn't know that, bro. It's like a science <laughs> question. It really is. Yeah. Like, carbon, So it's carbon dioxide. Di- how where'd do you, you pull so- this from? How do you solidify <laughs> carbon dioxide? That I have no idea. Dang. Oh, I know this one. I guess. All right, but next question is: What one. object does a male penguin often gift to it's a female penguin <laughs> to win her over? No, that's not what it is. No, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go with a fish. <laughs> it's a rock. It's a pebble. A pebble. That's crazy. What do they want? With you watch that? Though? I watched it like. I don't know. Oh, I don't it. Time ago. Mm. Feathers. Why wow. are flamingos pink? It's just... they're made that way. I don't know. I'm guessing to get the girls. Mm-mm. No, it has something to do with something they eat. I think. Uh oh. Because fish can't see pink. It is their diet. Their diet turns mm-hmm. them pink. Their diet of algae, well, she got it right, shrimp, and crustaceans. Turn them pink. The definition of you are what you eat. Yep. So if I ate algae, shrimp, and crustaceans, I'll turn pink. Probably so. <laughs> How long does it take a sloth to digest a meal? Mm. One meal. They're pretty slow, bro. How about like 24 hours? Mm. Not longer, huh? Longer. Wow. wow. I'm going to say a month. 30 days. No. Too yeah. long. Too long. 15 days. Two weeks. Two weeks. Wow. That's crazy. That's so they prob- only have to eat once every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Then? Mm-hmm. That's what you would think? Yeah, yeah because the metabolism mm-hmm. slow as hell. Mm-hmm. Well, we all lost. Um, no t-shirts. We all suck. <laughs> All right, so we have uh, um, I Am Grind's going to come up with the today's yoga, breathing, and and uh, lessons for the day. And then we're going to get up out of here. We're going to see you guys later, and we're going to end it out with I Am Grind here.
All right, welcome to our segment, Align with Grind. And today, we're going to be talking about three tips to help with a better mindset and better stress management. So most of us deal with stress on an everyday basis, whether it's at your job, whether it's at home, whether it's in a relationship, whether whatever it is, even within yourself. But most of us don't have an expression. We don't deal with it. Most of us don't manage the stress, which can allow it to get out of control, which can lead to depression. So I just wanted to talk about three tips today that will help with that. And the first one is breath work, okay? Breathing allows you better receiving, okay? So the more you can really breathe and pay attention to your breath, the more your mind will slow down, which gives you clarity and gives you more energy to be able to do the things that you truly want to do and not get overwhelmed by all the thoughts and all the energy that we pick up on throughout the day. So number one is breath work. Number two is gratitude. The more you're the more you're grateful for things, the more things are going to work out for you because your situation if you're whatever you're sad about, it could always be worse. So having gratitude in the moment is a very powerful vibration to be able to manifest and open up the opportunities of the things that you truly want. Okay? And then number 3 is loving yourself. Is having patience with yourself. Is realizing that I am doing a good job. A lot of times we be very hard on ourselves because we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, especially with this social media area. You know, things can really get out of hand. So just doing those three things will help you manage your stress better. And if you're looking for a place to do all of those things, tap in. I am Coach Grind, and I just love to help you align by clearing your mind. We'll see you next time. Peace.